do, we'll just fade into this as the, as the show starts. <laughs> what are we calling this? The the this is like a Marvel DC meet and crossover event, right? This is as big as a Marvel DC crossover. Yeah, event. which is unfortunate because we're DC in that context. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna ask, and I'm so happy. <laughs> You're we're the MCU, about- and we're the DC. <laughs> We're talking about the movies, right? Like, if we're, we're talking, talking about, about the, the if we're talking about the any cartoon or the comics, I'd like the reverse, please. But oh, okay. I'll take a DC, a DC person in comics yeah. as well. I'm just mm. talking about success of the film franchises in the last decade. That's uh, my. That, that's where that, that was the, the the base of that show. Um, Man, Marvel. If they, ever, if they ever did a Justice League Avengers movie, that would be pretty huge. Yeah, I think. Can they? Probably not. <laughs> okay. I mean, they almost I... didn't do a Spider-Man Marvel movie. <laughs> that that yeah. took, you know. Yeah. That... Hard, enough, hard enough time combining two intellectual properties from the same company. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till Fantastic Four. <laughs> All right. Um, well, someone has to host this. Uh, I, I suppose. What if you, what if we did our intro and then introduce Kayla and then she just went into her intro and introduced us? Okay. Yeah. It's, this, it's the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. Uh, today, our special guest, uh, you know, from the Shazam podcast, is Kayla Drescher. Hi, everyone. This is Kayla Drescher. Welcome to the Shazam podcast. The episode begins in three, two, one, go. That was fun. That was fun. Now, how do we start now? I don't know. Now, see, that didn't solve any problems. I suppose we just go into it. This is exciting. Uh, yeah, we are both. This is a crossover episodes from two equally successful, equally downloaded podcasts. Don't fact check that. Just trust me on that. Uh, There's not really a way to fact check that, except I'm sure they have a lot more reviews than we do on iTunes. Uh, we're both sponsored by IBM. Um, Are you sponsored by IBM? Well, at one point. Oh, that's cool. That's fun. If that's not true anymore, then I don't. Well, IBM, if you're looking for a podcast, a sponsor oh, will have Actually, I, I, this is how dumb I am. For a second, I thought the computer Computers. company. <laughs> it's, I mean, the other IBM is cool, too. Um and uh, I don't. We our, haven't our really... sponsor is just a guy named IBM with those initials. Yeah, just some He's dude. So sweet. He's a nice man. Loves Irving Ber- Irving Berlin Murphy. Irving yeah. Berlin Murphy's magic. Hey, tie in. Tie in. Oh. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Kayla. <laughs> we'll see yep, you next week. Thanks for week. having me. Bye. So, <laughs> so you you are both uh, professional magicians, and. Uh, uh, I, I, I was saying before we started recording that I've let a lot of my th- magician things <laughs> slide. Like, I don't think I can do Mnemonica off the top of my head right now. Um, what's going on with your skills in this time of lockdown? Um, I, I haven't practiced. I, I'll, I, I screw around with cards a lot, but I, I have, like, I haven't made any new routines or anything. But mm-hmm. I, I, I still usually have stuff in my hands that I'm practicing with. So the, the muscles are still there I, I, in, in some sense. Kayla, what about you? Um, I've been really honing my skill of procrastination. And it's what important. I mean by you that... You that muscle. Thank you. For, I needed that approval. Um, what, I, what I specifically mean by that is when I have a show, I'll uh, think about the material and go, oh, I should probably come up with something new. And then I will the morning of the show. And then <laughs> it will be um, very mediocre. And then I'll go, I should stop doing that, Kayla. But... Um, you know what? Let's go have some more ice cream. It's a pandemic. So that's kind of what my magic time has been yes. in the I, last I, five months. Nothing motivates me more to think about material than the idea of a show coming up. 
And so, yeah, when you don't have any shows, you're like, well, you, I don't know. And then, like, every now and again, there's this thing in the back of my head where I'm online, and I'm like, that would look pretty cool on Zoom. I'm like, yeah, what the f- who are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, well, there's always, um, in research, as I mentioned, kind of as we were starting this, in research for today, I listened to some of your episodes from the beginning of the pandemic and one of my favorite things was just like how you were like oh by easter it'll totally be fine and like <laughs> it'll be fun to do shows in six weeks again everyone and i was like oh that was march um, wow did, we, did i did i commit to things like that no there was um a very like half-assed commitment level which was correct yeah. um and but it was just fun to listen to and listen to like the hope and joy in both of okay. your voices well let me uh, walk that back now and just say, as God on high is my witness, this will be done in the next six weeks. Okay. Everybody will be gone. We'll have a vaccine in about a month. Uh, Kayla, what's going on with you? Um, I feel like we're going to release this in November, and that'll be accurate. Um, hey. We'll release what's... this when, when there's a vaccine. <laughs> right. Wait, sit on this until I'm right. I mean, edit in a date. For, we all, it. For, all, for all we know, this podcast could be the vaccine. Maybe so. this is the answer. Maybe the, our podcast is the answer. Everyone has to listen to this. Yeah. It's called Sputnik really, Six. Uh, you have a really <laughs> lovely view of your own podcast, and I like it. Um, oh, no, that's primarily because of the Shazam part of the podcast. Yeah, yes. yeah. We, that's, what, that's why when I texted you about this, I'm like, I'm excited to do this. We need the bump. <laughs> <laughs> you did say those words. I can't promise you, as I, I said in the message, I can't promise you a bump, but I'm going to do fair. my best. That be sounds inappropriate. Um, uh, this, this is going to be fun because oftentimes when you and I hang out together in real life, maybe this isn't a good thing, but we usually just sit around and talk shit. And uh, I'm excited to, to be, do that with you. That's kind of what both of our podcasts do. Yes. Which is good. And I think we both have strong intentions of talking shit for the purpose of growth. Yes. But there's just a lot of shit that has to be laid down first before we get there. Yeah. And so I am also really excited to do this with you too because, uh, Chris, I don't know you very well. We hung out uh, one time over Zoom mm. and it was awesome. And uh, we've hung out. A, I, I have been peripheral to conversations between you and Robert and John uh, oh, yeah. at the castle. And I have noticed one thing that happens with those conversations is somebody will walk up and be like, did you hear about, and like, there's no specifics. She's like, oh, did you hear about that one over on the West side? Uh, oh, you mean the one that's been trying to do this? And that? <laughs> and there's like a code as to like the latest uh, gossip, <laughs> which is very, yeah. it's fun to listen to. The thing about magic gossip and how small the community is, is you never a hundred percent know what side of something someone you know is going to come down on. So you have to be like, before you be like, did you hear that this person did this? Isn't it awful? You have to be like, did you hear about that guy? And then there, and then you have to wait for them to, you have to kind of wait to see what they are going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's really true. Cause you're not exactly sure who, who loves who, whom, who, yes. whom? Any, who loves anytime. whom. In anytime, this uh, uh, industry. Right. So anytime there's like someone does something that becomes a big deal, that person's going to have a lot of close friends and you're going to know those friends. And so even if you, um, you know, don't know, like even if you're like, oh, I'd like this person and he's friends with someone who clearly did something wrong. Like you still kind of don't know how that's, you know, if they're going to be like, everyone's overblowing this thing. Yeah. I have a really specific opinion on this because I don't want to talk ill of a human unless they've done something really terrible. But I think that if you 
put out some some sort of performance or a painting or whatever that that's allowed to be judged and so as much as i might love somebody or not as a human uh i think i'm allowed to be like what they just did was garbage Mm -hmm. uh it doesn't mean i think of them any less it just means that one thing they did was bad uh and as long as it's kind of kept to that then and i've had this conversation where people will be like have you seen that person's new show and they'll say that person is my best friend in the whole world oddly enough this happened really specifically with like two well-known magicians where i said i can't stand that guy and she was like he's our best friend and i went that's nice but he's garbage and (laughs) and in that moment i was like i can't like that's i'm judging the performance right it's okay Mm. please still love me uh i don't think they do (laughs) that's that's it sounded like that's how that story was probably gonna probably gonna end (laughs) yeah 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 for sure also um i i did ask some people to uh because I feel like I talk, especially with certain people, not everyone, but I'm also incredibly opinionated. If you've listened to my podcast, you uh, should know that by now. I have Um, just received a t-shirt. Don't touch me t-shirt. Yeah, I saw a picture. That was was so awesome. So happy. (laughs) Thanks for getting it. That's so great. Uh, uh, it It was not intended for Corona times, was it? It well, no. So I said that in our we have an episode called uh, something about sexual assault, right. and uh, where we go through and go. I can't tell you how many times someone has asked us, "How do I know if I'm committing sexual assault?" And so we made the "How to Know You're Committing Sexual Assault" scale. Right. And there's an actual scale, which is like here are the ways you can really tell, and the Kayla scale, which is are you touching me? Don't touch me, and that's it. Uh, and from there started that line of product uh, and it's the most sold Shazam product which is kind of fun I didn't mean mm-hmm. to say it but it worked out great right. so and very appropriate six- now yeah, yeah. It's, it's talk, about, yeah. Now. talk about good the brand face, the face masks are cool that say don't touch me those are the ones that I really enjoyed <laughs> um, these did come two years before Piff the Magic Dragon started selling his don't touch me product line during the coronavirus oh. so I just wanted to point that out and get that on the record love yeah. you Piff come on the podcast um, debate me over the fact that you stole from Kayla Harris uh, Kayla Kayla Drescher it says Kayla and Harrison so I forgot oh, that Harrison right. wasn't your last name for a second it says Kayla and Harrison Zoom so uh, in my the back of my brain it was like her name is now Kayla Harrison that's fine I've changed it hey, um, her name's now hey um, I changed it to hey Okay, can we? There's one thing I do want to ask you about before we get into a whole bunch of other stuff on the topic of lines. What do you feel about the new trend of like magic relating to face masks? I'm gonna say not a huge fan. Yeah, if you did, you I like that you decided to guess because you nailed it. Um, oh, that's just my. What, what is your take on it? I, I just wanted to lay. If, if again, going off what we just said, if you're like, ooh, how do I approach this? If John thinks this is the coolest trend ever, I think it's a little weird. Where's yeah, this trend cr- happening? Online, it's okay. Instagram. I don't. I, there might be something on Penguin, but uh, a couple people are, are independently releasing tricks that are magic with face mask color changing and like, or like it has a card reveal on it. Yeah, and to yes. me, it's just you know, a lot of people are still dying. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen this, but my guess would have been like a card reveal. Um, yeah, color change. I, is it like those color changing sunglasses <laughs> that they sold for a while? Uh, <laughs> yes, that like. Um, <laughs> illusionist or whatever what's the other the ones where like if you buy our tricks you're you're a cool dude you can shoot flame from your hands and stuff 
Uh, and then ladies will like you more, I yeah. guess. <laughs> the thing about that, that one's true, though. So that's that's the thing about that is that one is right on the nose. They got yeah. it. If you buy magic tricks, women will like you more. That's just fact. Um, the person who identifies as a woman, I'm going to say that's not accurate. Um, but well, we're going to have to agree to dis- disagree there, Kayla, I think. Send me the women that are giving you this praise. <laughs> I want to have a conversation gotta, with them. Got to find some. What about a prediction and you use like a tongue rider on the inside <laughs> of a face mask? Is that a thing? And it then you now. turn it around, and then it's like Nova Scotia is your favorite <laughs> vacation. What kind of tongue do you have? <laughs> that's know. a personal question. Um, but that just felt in my mind. I was like, a nail writer is hard enough. Never mind trying to write right. with just a pure muscle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it could be cool. Um, I, by Chris Grace. Yeah, <laughs> by Christian Grace. Christian Grace, right? I'll give it to him. <laughs> That's really nice. Uh, I'm not a fan of the face mask magic trend. Uh, for and actually, you already said it, Ocardo, which is just people are dying. Um, I don't. I saw a couple of magicians use just normal hospital face masks at the beginning of the pandemic, and was like, people are dying because they can't get these. So why are we writing the inside <laughs> of like what? Just, right. Stop. Just use it. Like I don't. I don't care that you bought twenty of them and you're still using them. Just don't waste something that saves right. someone's li- could save someone's life. It's just it, to me. It just feels uh, uh, too soon, which is not the joke. Right. But that's what I feel like. I saw some rubber band magic using the uh, straps, the ear straps. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, fine. That's creative. But like, put it on your fucking face. <laughs> Right, like wear a mask. If I go outside right now, half the people, more than half the people, the majority of people in Los Angeles and North Hollywood are still not wearing them because they're probably doing a prediction trick with them, and I'm sick of it. (laughs) Side side tangent: I was at a Ralph's the other day, and I saw three different people in a very busy Ralph's doing this shit. Oh, with their shirt. How does that do anything? John has his shirt tucked up over his like like he just uh, is doing an impromptu bank robbery. Right, like. It drove me crazy. There are I, everything in the universe can be divided into mask or not a mask, and it's very cl- there's it's very clear line. There's no ambiguity. I'm actually excited that when this is over, I think it will be socially acceptable for me to continue wearing a mask in public. Oh, probably. because I honestly kind of like I always thought it was kind of appealing anyway to go on an airplane with a mask. Like it just seemed like oh this feels like a good thing to do. And now I think it'll just be like, oh, he's just someone who's, you know, right. He needs to do it. On it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I said they, maybe it's just a trend at Ralph's, but the security guard at our, our, our Ralph's doesn't wear one or he wears it um, with his nose exposed nose. or under his right. And it just makes me upset. Uh, also, uh, people who listen to Shazam know this, but I am in the high risk category. So this mm. is not a thing that I'm willing to play with. Right. Uh, I, I so, am also in the high risk category. Yes, high risk, high fives, yeah. Zoom. Yeah. Uh. Uh, the, uh, so sometimes we get like the FedEx person will deliver something or the Amazon person or the person we have delivering our groceries will show up and stand outside of our front door waiting for us to come out and take the object from that person without a mask. Mm-hmm. And it's like, please just read the paper. Right. Just like, is care. That, uh, is that even on deliveries that don't require a signature? Because I that's happened to me as well, 
when if like if I order food, they'll insist on like coming to the door and handing it to me. It's like just put it put it down right there and right. you walk away. Right. This yeah, happens I chose to me. The thing. This yeah. happens to me too with like uh, DoorDash and stuff, where it's like this is exactly why I I I clicked on no contact delivery, so I would not have to open my door to you right now. Yeah, I wonder actually if there's something about like their tips are higher if they make a human connection or something. So yeah, that's a good point. I would be very curious uh, to know what that is, or is that just like out of habit, or mm. uh, do they not? think there's uh, an actual concern because obviously those people exist and are very loud about it on Facebook. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of, it's just annoying because I'd love, I think you, you both as well. I'd love to get back to doing shows and being able to go on longer walks with my dog and just feel like I can breathe fresh air and mm-hmm. not die. And because people are showing up at my door without masks and companies don't have a mask right. mandate. Thank you, Postmates. Um, the, I, right, I'll go on and on. It's been a long few months, friends. Um, the <laughs> Stay positive. Um, it's just, it's really frustrating. So I'd love if everyone could just, uh, if you're hearing this, wear a fucking mask. Right. Yeah, I think, I think that's what's frustrating about it too is the people who have really locked down are kind of like, if you're not locking down, you're making me do this longer. Like, right. it's not just because I'm like a scaredy cat or whatever. Like, we were all like going to sacrifice and sit inside our houses. And honestly, if we all did it for real for like six weeks, we probably would have been like closer to getting back yeah. to normal. Right. Yep. Um, so, I don't know. Um, Fun. You guys were going to tell me about something. Oh yeah, do we are we do we diving into that? Uh, so, Talk about it to whatever extent you're comfortable. I, I have the least amount of standing it. to lose. <laughs> okay, so fair. I've uh, lo- I've lost every every credibility I've had, so <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so so uh, a lot. It's it's one of those things that has so much happening and developing every two days. Um, essentially, uh, I would say the Black Lives Matter movement oh no um, this is already yeah. starting out badly <laughs> has revealed um certain very uh strong disagreements amongst some members of the magic community um kayla <laughs> what that's what okay um should we we could just do like one word you know one word stories with right. improv game exactly. you say yeah. i say you say great yeah um and Although I think a lot of people tried to show support, uh, albeit maybe harshly at first or seemingly harshly to be like, yes, Black Lives Matter. Yes, we need to do this. I our support for uh, Magic Castle members who are Black, Indigenous, people of color. Go team. Then there was another group of people that said, um, this is political. Go vote for Bernie Sanders. Uh, I don't know. They got really heated very quickly. And there was a humongous divide between the Black Lives Matter and the All Lives Matter mindset. Ocardo. Uh Okay, the way you said that, I'm for a second sounded like you were like, and the All Lives Matter, like John. Like, no, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> sounded um, right to me. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, that became like the, 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 the argument was supporting supporting the idea of Black Lives Matter is to support a political organization that is horrible and wants to kill cops or, you know, whatever was all that shit. 
Um, and, and so it has no place within a private club. Um, and then became a debate over, well, this, this, this leads us into sh some Shazam-related content. Then became a question of um, listening to a bunch of white men who I've never heard of. I have no idea who these guys are saying that women don't feel uncomfortable in the club ever. And... Or anyone. Like, there's never been a single racist, homophobic, xenophobic, uh, misogynistic, all the other issues. Right. There's never been a single ounce of that enter the building. Um, <laughs> or in magic history ever. Nothing's wrong with Chung Ling Su. Well, I've, ex why I've experienced that in, in the theaters. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Just watching. <laughs> right. Right. But so, because they've never seen it, nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, um, when when the uh, Academy of Magical Arts announced publicly that they were going to uh, match dollar for dollar fifty thousand dollars of donations uh, to um, Black Lives Matter uh, charities and organizations, um, that was met with heavy, heavy, heavy pushback. Um, then uh -huh. they ultimately walked that back because they were. According to um, the, the the release, I, Kayla, you probably know more about this um, if you've done any digging um, into it. But according to them, it said that they were kind of then learned from outside legal counsel they were actually not entitled to do that, mm -hmm. um, and so they said that they were going to use that money instead uh, to change things within the walls of the uh, Academy of Magical Arts. Uh, I thought it was a little bit disappointing. If that is true, that that is the reason why I accept that, and I'm happy that they're still like. It didn't feel like an empty gesture when they did it, um, to me at least. And and it didn't you know this felt like a legitimate. I, I but I don't know the details. It could be bullshit, but it felt like legitimate. Like oh, we actually can't do this. We got a little ahead of ourselves, but we still want to do something. Um, it wasn't so much um, it, from what I understand. It wasn't so much a. It wasn't an empty threat. It wasn't like or a threat. It wasn't an <laughs> empty promise. Uh, it, they really in, did in a circle oh, over here. Gosh, oh. Sorry, I'm in all the groups. Um, we'll have to explain <laughs> that too. Uh, and so it, there was a lot of really solid intention there from the board, which I appreciate and think is awesome. Um, but then an outside law firm had to be brought in for a larger investigation because of so much information that came out right. within a week. Uh, because normally, you know, when you have a lot of al like allegations or reports or whatever, they're spanned out throughout a very long period of time. So you have a chance to sort of recoup from a report and go, okay, everything's fine. Let's move on. And then a, a while from there, something else happens, but you can't, it doesn't pile on each other. You've had a chance to just cool off well this was a big old pile piled on top of each other right. over and over and over again so an outside law firm got brought in which was a really smart thing to do and the law firm said you should not do this let's just kind of not make a, anything and just try to solve the problem yeah. so whatever the inside conversation was there i don't know but i appreciate that something that they were trying to do something and instead they well, they had already hired a previous Castle employee, Pat Payne, who is what I want to be when I grow up. She's, She's perfection. She's uh, Pat had been hired to create a plan for the artwork and posters around the castle to create a rotation featuring more performers uh, of diversity. Mm. I mean, Enter... Yeah. 
a couple of days ago. And a couple of days ago. <laughs> this is where? all just this is all just uh, groundwork for a couple of days ago. A couple of days yeah. ago, a mass email went out to anybody whose an um, email was listed on the members page directory. So you can have a little like pseudo profile with your name and any content information you want to give out. Um, that I believe it, some of it is. Put, I, I don't know how how that I uh, how I don't know how that information gets up there. I don't know if it's it's defaulted up there when you join. I don't know if you put it elected up there. I have no idea. But so they went through and they combed this whole thing and they sent out um, this uh, very, uh, I'm going to use the words of the president of the Academy of Magical Arts, um, uh, this this uh, email that was full of misinformation um, uh, that about like the a small, small, small group of activists within the castle trying to uh, change the academy such that it like supports you know political organizations um, and basically adding sending a link to a uh, what link what whatever those link petition signing website which one one of those and um, and ask you to you know go sign a petition there so that they could be heard at the board of directors meetings to to stop this from happening um, in a uh, a George Bailey um, uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington as heroic, like filibuster. I assume is what they envisioned for themselves. Um, uh, a lot of people were very, very angry, and especially when it when it was then revealed that there were people whose names were being added to this list that had not. Um, I, I'm sure he wouldn't mind us saying this. Uh, John Armstrong was like, "My name is on this as someone who signed, and I have I have, like no interest in this." Um, they signed, or someone signed. I can't I can't tell you who signed it. Somehow signatures from all of the board members. So Nick Stavros, Max Maven, Dana Leventhal, Erica Larson, Bill Larson, who passed away. Somebody signed Daryl's name, like magician Daryl, who is has also passed away. Lots of names on there uh, that weren't jokes uh, were signed. And that was also a really big deal because it's like, all right, well, first you took everybody's emails, which I guess are technically on the website. So like there's a lot of debate whether or not that's against the bylaws. That's not, I'm not going to come into that debate because I don't want to read. And uh, (laughs) then the main one was like, how did all these names get up there? They didn't sign them and are very vocal that they didn't sign their names. Randy Sennett Jr., who's the president, uh, his signatures up there, everyone. So uh, I can't tell you whether or not for sure they didn't sign, but I know that uh, some people had posted some board members and such that said, I did not sign this. This was not me. And that that's real bad. Uh, it also, I kind of mentioned this to you, John, is that it did go out to some people who are right. not and who have never been Magic Castle members, who have been students in the university program. And so that's even more concerning because where did they get that person's email? They certainly didn't opt into any email adventure. <laughs> so I mean, I took a class there. I would definitely have opted into this kind of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, first of all, Randy Sinnott Jr. sounds is a good name for like a NASCAR driver. I just <laughs> out there. He, he is. Yeah, he is. A, he, he drives NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, so does... does is it known who initiated this email? Yes. I, I'm just electing to not say their names. Okay. Yeah. But not even out of a right of privacy. I just don't want to talk about them. Like, I don't it, came, to... it came from that person's specific email yeah. address. I see. So okay. there wasn't like an attempt to yeah. hide at all. Right, right. Um, so it's going to be really interesting what happens with that. 
Uh, I hope something happens. I don't know even what that could possibly be, but I really do hope something happens. Uh, Unfortunately, there's just a big old mess right now over at the castle. Well, it's important to mention, too, not that these, I I hate what was in that email. I hate that the email exists. I hate all that. But as a side note. You love the sentiment. Love (laughs) it. I love the, Yeah. (laughs) The message I'm, I'm on board with. No, uh, the, it's, it's, it's important to mention, not that this should matter, but the project that is in question in this email was, um, was approved, I believe, and began months ago, uh, well before the protests, well before George Floyd. This is not a response to anything. Um, in fact, when, when uh, some members independently had a Zoom meeting to address how they wanted to handle certain um, uh, BLM issues within the Academy, um, which is not associated with the Academy in any official way, um, this person, Pat Payne, was on there. This is, I mean, early June, um, and she was saying that she'd already been. This is already in the works for months. So it's like it's, it, it's just tactically wrong that this, that to say that this was like some politically act motivated thing. It's just just incorrect. It shouldn't My- matter. Like even if this were a response, it would still be appropriate and, and I think positive overall for the culture of the Academy of Magical Arts and magic in general, but. That that for to those who have a problem with it because of that, that's incorrect. You're, you're wrong. If you're listening to this, which you're not, you're wrong. Mm. <laughs> my my main question and then overall concern with the viewpoint on the project to make a rotation of more inclusive artwork and posters is like, wow, how does that hurt you? No, how does I, that? I, I, I that's what I'm. I think I'm most confused because. I would I would make the same argument for how does the Black Lives Matter movement hurt you? How does this all hurt you? And it it, it doesn't. Uh, how does giving someone equal rights to what you have hurt you? And right. it, the answer is it doesn't. Uh, it just seems like it does for a couple minutes when you're watching Fox News. But the more concerning issue for me is like how does a poster of Henry Box Brown ruin your night at the castle? How does right. a poster of Adelaide Herman, how does a plaque underneath a keto hurt you when explaining like this person is not actually Asian? Mm. Why, how does that a problem? And if you can articulate to me how it's a problem, then I'll listen to you. But if your, if your reasoning is it takes away other posters, well, how many posters of Chung Ling Su are around the castle? It's gotta be like like five in a row. Yeah. So why, like, (laughs) why is that a problem? But Um, where's Richard Potter? non-existent where are all the women who do magic they're in the women's bathroom except for adeline herman, herman has out a, a bus. bus yeah but that um, was only last year so i don't know so, what you're still complaining about we have there's one bus we've solved we, got, we did it I, yeah i don't know why you're still upset no but, but like <laughs> even still yeah so so like i would i've said this on the podcast many times some of the worst magic on planet earth is coming out of america now um, yeah. Some of the best magic is coming from places like Asia and stuff. So, like, if even like even if I wasn't trying to be inclusive, even if I was on their because the argument they keep making is ma- magicians should be judged only by their quality of their magic and not by the quality, you know, like the color of their skin or their gender. Um, even if that's true, the best magic is all coming out of like Asia and 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 and, and like non-white countries. <laughs> um, so even by that metric, like. Put, like putting up a poster of Yuho Jin or Eric Chen or Shin Lam, like you know what I mean, like <laughs> yeah. So John can just go to the castle and just masturbate. <laughs> Look, <laughs> oh, it's all the Koreans I love. <laughs> shaky, shaky coin box in your elbow. Um, 
I can articulate. I think I can try to articulate what they feel they're losing in a couple ways. Mm. One is, it's nice to go to the castle and look at a poster and be like, "Oh yeah, it is okay to be racist." <laughs> yeah, That's it is. One. Sure. Um, I mean, look at how successful this guy was. And then I, I think, uh, uh, more seriously, I think it's this weird amorphous thing of like we are losing the culture war in some way like my way of looking at the world isn't isn't appropriate anymore and this is obviously happening across like all of society but it's like the magician community is probably like maybe the most brittle in terms of like change right Uh, it's not it's not a group of old guys that seems really ready to be like, yeah, let's get on board with like the new thing. You know what's funny is, is this is a while ago. I was rereading the part some books from the Fitzky trilogy, and uh, those books were written like in the '40s, and it's also about presentation stuff. And even in the '40s, he was like, "Why doesn't anybody want to modernize their stuff? Why is everybody like doing old stuff? Like nobody wants to update it." They're just attracted to whatever would happen, you know, 40 years ago. And I'm like, that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever read in mm-hmm. a book that's you know 80 years old. We did a statistical analysis of the last five years of female representation in the in the in the booked performer slots at the castle, and mainly because we were asked to give a presentation to the board on how's the castle looking, and so uh, we did. Uh, this would be Carissa and I, who's who started the podcast with me, and what we found was that women were significantly had a significant rise in basically from 2007 the end of I'm trying to remember the end of 2017 2018 and going into 2019 had a like a meteoric rise in the brunch time slot and Mm. early early close-up so well the the brunch would be the junior program so I would imagine that that demographic I would assume is probably changing Sorry, I mean kid, like the kids, um, the, the in right. the palace show, like the kids show. Oh, oh, oh! I see. Not like the close-up um, room. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, gotcha. not the close-up room. Sorry. Uh, so specifically, like we just labeled all brunch perform, like the brunch performers that were on the website that had been booked performers. Gotcha. 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 Uh, so the junior program wasn't included in the that analysis, and so the the brunch, the Saturday and Sunday show performers, a lot of them were women. They were kind of the same couple of women over and over again, but that was a pretty significant amount. And then early, early close-up, about 23%, I believe, of the performers or of the time slots were filled by women. Mm -hmm. And there were zero women booked in late parlor. There was some like 2% of the slots of women uh, in early parlor were women. Um, it was even less in the Peller. And then about the same in, uh, there was almost none in late close-up and there had not been a female lecture until uh, since 2012. And so what we found is that the castle was like, we want to have intentions and our intentions are book more women and because that's obviously the only perspective that I, I can actually come from um, uh, in terms of diversity. And so I was like, let's focus on that. And so they said we wanted to have more women. So we book more women, but the women that we we're trying to get women, but the women we can get aren't good and they're not ready, but we need to boost our numbers. Let's put them into early, early into brunch and just say we did it. And when we mentioned that, it was not well received at mm-hmm. all. 
Um, and we also mentioned, you know, the castle is not safe for women. The, um, if you've been in the close-up gallery dressing room, it's really hard. It's really easy to uh, eliminate all exits. You can very easily sneak, you know, sneak in there and, and not do something very nice. Uh, people can enter in there at any point, managers, other magicians, etc. cetera. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of those issues. So women like can't change. You have that little window where the manager says, are you ready to go? Uh, they just open that whenever they want sometimes. Um, most of them knock, to be honest with you. It's just a couple. So even that is like, hey, Castle, maybe care. <laughs> Uh, and mm-hmm. they didn't, and that was because that was in 2019, so that nothing ever happened. Um, but it would be nice if, like, maybe everyone should listen to those who are going, "Hey, there's a problem." I have a lot of friends who have gone, "Hey, I brought some friends who are transgendered, and they were really um, offended by this one performer and all their jokes that were directed at my friends, mm-hmm. and then nothing gets done or whatever it is." So it's great, and I'm really happy that maybe people are listening um i also really trust like max maven and dana leventhal Mm -hmm. with their what they want to do and how important they see this being so fingers crossed that we come out of this pandemic maybe a little bit better and unfortunately that email got sent but it's just more information for people to go yeah no we're not cool with that right and the more people go we're not cool with that the more people go this is what we are cool with and we can uh, be better on a uh, uh, on a, like a more macro level, outside mm. of just the, the castle and the AMA, um, what what is your vision for a better path towards equality, just in general in magic? Um, at least when it comes to, to gender, uh, you know. Uh, so I know you have for, a whole podcast about this. Yeah, I do. Um, what what I think is important is that we not try to put a a quota on how many women need to get booked, but we need to, who's ever doing the booking needs to try to find a new woman every week that they haven't heard of before and then see if they're ready to perform at the castle. Um, We had suggested doing like a mentorship program. So like if you find a woman that is maybe on the line of like, no, this act's not quite ready, could use some direction. I literally was like, hello, my hand is raised and I would be very happy to have a couple phone calls with someone who is on the fence of being booked and help them get ready. Do I have the best opinion for that? I'm not sure. It doesn't need to be me, but that could help. Um, But basically the goal was instead of trying to book one woman a week, try to just find a new woman every week. Uh, Because then what you'll do is you'll start finding quality as opposed to quantity and then that will show people, oh, women can do magic. They can do magic really well right. in a lot of circumstances. And then uh, you'll end up seeing more and more women be like, okay, that's the standard. Because what's happening right now, this is no offense to anybody specifically. We have a whole episode called Why Women Are Terrible at Magic. And I really recommend taking a listen to it because it goes through all I've of this. I've listened to it. Yeah. Um, thank you. I, I I wasn't saying to you necessarily, John, but like <laughs> to people who are listening to me talk. Uh, besides the both of you, we're just gonna uh, pause right now so I can go listen to it right now. Uh, yeah. Just I just need a quick forty minutes to an hour. Uh, yeah, that might be a long one. Um, so I'll give I'll give you a minute. I'll go have some dinner. We'll come yeah, back. And yeah, talk. yeah. Um, yay. Uh, preparation. Um, yeah. So it's. I think what ends up happening is women get opportunities before they're ready because they're women and then end up dropping off in about the, in like two to three years after they start doing magic. And I've seen that happen. 
I would I would say about thirty times. I could um, probably oh, think 100%. of thirty different women. With yeah. like, there, there with was like thirty different people. You mean? Yes, correct. Ooh. From from all ages. I remember right. seeing like young girls that I was growing up with that would come in to a magic meeting. They get booked at like some really cool show because they were cute and adorable. I was definitely one of those girls too that I was getting booked because I was cute and a girl um, and could do magic fine as a 12-year-old. And it didn't happen to me, but it happened to most of the other girls that were in the club I was in. And it just keeps happening and happening and happening. Uh, So yeah, it's unfortunate. There's a, uh, um, I I don't want to say this person's name because I think some this could sound controversial. I don't think it is. I think he really nailed it. So I just in, on the off chance he doesn't want me to say it. Um, I was in the close-up gallery with somebody. Um, we were watching a um, and, I, and again I don't want to offend anybody, so I won't say her name either. We were watching a female performer, I believe, an early close-up, and uh, and you know not, neither of us had seen her before. There's a third person. Uh, the three of us were watching the show. None of us had seen her, but all week this person's great. This person's great. Oh, she's got it. This act is so tight. Oh, it's so so good. This this and this. Um, and it was pretty good. It was, you know, uh, it, it, uh, it, it was pretty, uh, pretty competent. And when we we all left, um, we're like, yeah, it was cool. And we were going to talk about it and kind of, you know, you know, um, uh, later and all, all that stuff. But we left and we were in the inner circle. And someone said, oh, did you see so-and-so's show? How was it? And the friend of mine who was with said it was uh, decent because it had a lot of problems. The problem is she'll never, ever improve because of the avalanche of positive reinforcement she's going to get all the time mm-hmm. from male magicians mm-hmm. um, who, you know, um, and he's like, and that's going to hold her back. Because it was pretty good, but it did have some s- s- big problems that needed to be addressed, and they never will be because... Um, and and it, that's a controversial thing to say, I think. It, it sounds shitty on its face value, but I think there was a point... I think, yeah, the, the, some of the women that do magic that kind of feel like they make their way into the sort of boys club, I think are also met with just, like, so much, like, reinforcement, I think, in a way... I think that really does unfortunately have the sort of bedrock of like, if I'm nice to this person, I'll get to fuck them. Um, and then yep. these people don't get improve. And then to other people who aren't part of that, they're like, well, women aren't good at magic. Hmm. It's interesting. I, I think I actually disagree with you guys a little bit um, because I think it's a very, uh, like it's a very nuanced discussion. Cause I feel like I face this in terms of uh like if you talk about like Asian American actors being cast mm-hmm. in things or whatever, um, because you do want to be truthful to people about like the quality of their work, uh, but then sometimes I feel like emphasizing too much this idea of like you got to be honest with them to be so that they're good almost reinforces this idea that the men got in because of a meritocracy. Um, and the thing is, there's a lot of dudes doing bad magic hundred oh, percent that yeah. get reinforcement from their friends that right. never hear why their acts are bad and they get booked a lot <laughs> oh i would over i mean i know you're talking your experience comes from like acting and comedy but yeah i do think that just generally magic is a terrible community when it comes to like critiquing each other yeah. on their shows we've talked I, about that on the podcast too i guess i would say that the that positive reinforcement that you're talking about where they're being nice because they want to have sex with them is distinct from true positive reinforcement that would keep somebody in the process of getting better. Like there, I'm sure I know that you're not saying like you should always be nice or you shouldn't always be like, you should like as soon as the show's over, just be like, here, let me tell you what's wrong with your show. Right. I'm sure you're not saying that. Um, but I almost feel like the part that someone, let's say some, like I, I would assume lots of men have also gotten opportunities before they were ready. And there's yes. something in the system that's keeping them in it. You know, um, like I took the level one class at Magic Castle and 
I would. I think my class was like half women, and this is something that happens in improv comedy as well. Level one, two, and three. There's a lot of women involved, and they gradually just drop off, and it's almost like a, it's a cultural issue where I, I don't know what it is. I have an answer. Oh, good. Yeah, uh, because this is something that um, I also explored too. So we, I started. My intention with starting Shazam and like calling Carissa and being like, this needs to begin is because I was just really sick of answering lots of things. But one of the things was I want to stop wanting to answer what the question, what's it like to be a woman in magic? Because it's like, I know other things. I realize that we've been talking about this for 20 minutes, but uh, I know other things. Uh, And I wanted to talk about other things that I know. And so it was really important. So one of the questions I asked was, why is there this drop off? And through a lot of talking and asking questions and observation, I can't like prove prove this, but I have a theory called the brick theory, which is this idea of every time something happens where you feel like magic isn't for you or you're not for magic, a layer of brick gets laid. And and examples of that, because I saw it happen with two young girls at Tannen's magic camp in a close up class, they were 11, they were told to take the additional sponge ball and put it in their pocket and then casually put their hand in their pocket while they're just relaxing. And they were both wearing dresses without pockets. Mm. And I watched them in that moment take all the sponge balls, put them on the table, and not touch them anymore for the rest of class. Mm. And went, they, so they just quit sponge balls. Imagine how soon it will be until they quit magic. So I went after them after class and walked them through it. But at that point, I think they had already got it ingrained in their head. Uh-oh. And neither of those two girls came back to camp next year. They were mm-hmm. really into magic. And it was like the last day of class that happened. And they quit. And they did not come back. So I can't imagine what was actually going through their head. But that's a layer of brick. Now, sometimes that layer of brick is too tall. And you don't want to get over it. Eventually, you end up building a wall, right? For a while, you can hop over it. It's totally great. Maybe it's just a big old brick and you can't get over it the first time. But eventually, it's going to be a massive wall. And no matter how much help you get or if someone gives you a ladder, whatever it is, eventually, it gets too tall to jump over. So you just say, what's on the other side just isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And elements of that, and this is a good example, of this the Magic Castle classes. Um, elements of that are, here's a thumb tip, one size fits all. They don't, right? Uh, they also, most thumb tips uh, are made for someone who's white. Mm-hmm. Also a problem, or they're made for a certain kind of hand, uh, larger, like a medium to larger size hand. I have massive hands, so a normal thumb tip fits me perfectly. It's actually sometimes a little bit too small. But for a lot of women that come into the classes, they're too big. Um, the pockets also, is an issue. Yeah, I don't. I don't have thumbs, so that's also right. It's been a problem. This isn't it. Like we haven't talked about this. You know, it's just like how are we not being inclusive to people who don't have thumbs? Um, I did have a student who uh, didn't have a hand. Oh, and what was actually really cool. Is by the time him. He was already really obsessed with Renee Levon. So mm. I was really thankful that he was able to find someone right. to learn, like watch videos of and learn. Because uh, for those who don't know, Renee Levon didn't have a hand, uh, one hand. So he had to do everything one hand, like oil and water one handed, and it was beautiful. Uh, and so I'm really happy that he had found someone to go, oh, yeah, that person can do it. So can I. But a lot of women, I didn't meet my first other woman doing magic until I was 16. I had already been in magic since for 
how long? Eight years? Six mm-hmm. years? It is a huge thing. Um, it, it, it's such a huge thing, though, because a lot of the way that human beings learn is by imitating. And it's just mm-hmm. easier to imitate somebody that looks like you. Or yep. there's something in our brain that's just like, oh, there's a that I could be that person. And so I'm sure you've experienced this, but like, you know, you get very good at seeing yourself in people that don't look like you. But there's a little bit of an energy cost every time that happens. And so, you know, that's why like when that Crazy Rich Asians movie came out, it was just like, oh, like this everybody looks like me, like that little extra energy I used to spend identifying with a white actor is not there. So that movie resonated in ways that like just were, that's why I think that's why black Panther resonated for some, like Mm -hmm. black Panther became such an emotional resonant thing for people because they were seeing themselves in their favorite genre of movie. Uh, I I live in a pretty, um, uh, Latinx dominated area, um, in my sort of area of the West Valley and the busiest I've ever, I've never seen anything come close to it. The movie theater down the street from my house, the busiest I've ever seen it is the weekend Coco came out. Oh, Coco, they hired a, yeah. They hired a mariachi band. It, it, that place was packed to the brim. Um, it was, uh, but it was really wonderful, actually. I was, like, that, there was more excitement and like life in that movie theater that like, uh, even like just the lobby than I had ever seen. Right, and that's why you're cultivating a look to play Usnavi from In the Heights. Right. Right, I you know I've my oh, whole my that's what it is my whole uh yeah the last about five years uh, or especially um since I've grown the goatee especially the last about a year and a half ago now um I've gotten uh Lin Manuel Miranda uh comparisons um <laughs> and then as it's gone longer and now I have to wear the hat and like as the hair is like it's turning into a different kind of Lin Manuel so it went from like post Hamilton haircut Lin Manuel to now like in the Heights Hamilton and then eventually when this gets really long I've tied all the way back it's gonna be Hamilton Lin Manuel. <laughs> yes. I'm a um, fan. So wait, I have a I was thinking about something coming into this podcast that I th- would love to hear your insight on. Um which is I've I watched this show and I didn't finish it and then last week I fought I watched the last two episodes of it and it's uh The Final Table on Netflix. Have either of you seen this show? It's a food competition. I haven't finished it. I started I started watching it. Um, oh, well, I might spoil something for you. If, that's fine. Okay. So, well, I don't know. I can't speak for Kayla, but I I'm okay with it. This is no, um, chefs from around the world competing to, you know, it's the same as any other thing. They're just competing. Um, and the final four contestants are four white straight men. Yeah. Cis straight men. And the thing is, they're all incredible. Like, they're, they're great chefs. On an individual basis, it wasn't like, oh, he shouldn't be here. He's incredible. Um. But it was also indicative of like the structures of the culinary industry. There's like there's just a path that's grooved for these dudes to like get there. And in the contestant pool, there were some people of color, there were some women, um, but they were they. It's not even that they were worse or they fell by the wayside. It's just there were fewer of them in the contestant pool. Like there were, I think, three women total out of sixteen contestants or whatever. And I think this gets at this question of like. You know, it it's like this show, in a way, reinforces the idea that these white guys are the best chefs in the world. So that makes the system even harder to have a more of a talent pool. But there is a factor of, like, there were probably fewer people of color and women, like, executive-level chefs to pick from to, to cast for this show, right? Maybe. I don't know. I, I would say but there probably were fewer employed, like, 
you know, entrepreneur, owner, executive chef level people in those populations. Um, so it's weird. It's like, how do you solve this? How do you attack this issue? Because like the, a show like that then reinforces the thing that's causing that problem. Right. Yeah, so, the, the idea that I'm you, you are effectively plucking out one of those guys to put in a woman that is probably like less qualified per the per the way that the show is or setting up like the meritocracy of who makes it to the end of this competition. So there's um to compare to another industry, so poker, uh, it's really interesting statistically. So in poker, two percent of professional poker players are women, but ten percent, ten to fifteen percent of online poker players are women. Mm. It's a pretty significant jump when you don't have to add in your gender and your screen name. Mm. But in poker, if you watch like the final uh, world poker thing uh there will always be a woman at the table and she will always be first out mm. and she will always be attractive and it's it's a thing that and i didn't do this study this is not me i was reading a bunch to compare magic um and by i i mean carissa and i we were both reading a bunch to compare magic to other industries and in poker it's it's all tokenism for the wrong reasons. It's tokenism for viewership and it's tokenism for saying we did it check as opposed to saying sometimes you do need to use tokenism to elevate, but you also need to keep the quality in. If they had a woman win or get down to the last two, oh my goodness, this happened in the world of Magic the Gathering where there was a big old competition. There's a whole documentary on Netflix about it where there was a woman and she made it pretty far. And at the end, she really was like, I'm really happy I made it bar because now hopefully i can inspire their women to play this game and play it professionally because she was one of like three in the whole big room of yeah. people playing and so the idea of just plugging in a woman woman taking out another white guy and plugging in a woman just to get the viewership and just to get the we did it that's also a problem right so casting obviously so important there are a lot of really good chefs that aren't white cisgendered males. Yeah. Uh, so it seems silly that maybe there was also like, how do they look? That is a big uh, yeah. element of booking booking a woman. Um, you know, booking. I was reading this. This is not how I feel. Um, I was uh, reading that a lot of people uh, who are black who are being casted in something get casted because they look friendly. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, so that's a problem too is like you're you're literally going i want to make sure that they look the right kind of diverse actually so I, I don't know either i don't know if i mentioned this but it's like a pet theory of mine that to become mm. a respected black actor on screen you have to be haughty um you have to have an air of like authority to you and that is a requirement that is not put on white actors so for example I don't. I can. I can't really think of a black equivalent to like Paul Giamatti, um, or like uh, uh, oh, who's the guy uh, with the funny like Kevin eyes? James. Kevin James, or uh, the guy from like uh, Ghost World, uh, who's his Ghost World. <laughs> Ghost World's called Johansson, and what's her name? Um, like the idea of like the nerdy uh, character actor. Like there aren't many black actors that are in that role. So most of the mm -hmm. prominent black actors that you can think of that have had long careers have a, have have a, have roles where they are like proper in a way or like 
high status. Were you thinking of Steve Buscemi or Steve, Bob Balaban? Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi. But there isn't there isn't really like a black Steve Buscemi or a black Paul Giamatti, right? You know, which lets them be like lower status or you know, annoying or like you know whatever that is. And I'm not saying that there's a ton of black characters that want to play those parts, but they probably would love to be employed the way those guys are employed. Um, and I think that I think there is some coding in there that's like. We want to give respect to black actors that portray like civility or something, or whatever it is. There's something there, or or specifically like the struggle of being black. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I was I was listening to uh, um, I was reading something about when there was some controversy over when uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez didn't get nominated for an Oscar for her role in Hustlers, mm. and someone said it in a way that I thought was very interesting. And they went, "They're not going to give." They said the reason they're not going to nominate her or give her an Oscar is because she played a part where she like loved herself and she loved her body and she loved her friends. She goes, "They're going to give her an Oscar when she loses thirty pounds and plays a meth addicted mother. That's yeah. when she'll get her Oscar." Um, hey, I'd like to also just enter in that Hustlers wasn't a very good move. <laughs> I didn't see it. Is that, well, it, it I watched it, it, it on a plane and I fell asleep. And then I oof. was like, I'm going to try to give it the benefit of the doubt. And it wasn't um, great, but the acting was sure was fine. Yeah, a lot of people loved Hustlers. A lot of people thought that Hustlers, um, especially because, yeah, yeah I, I don't have a huge take on it. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't. Well, I, I, have, no straw, I, I have no straw hot take on the film Hustlers. Um, to, to what you're saying about the... I almost feel like this, the quality, not quality, I guess what I'm saying before about what I slightly disagree with you both about is I almost feel like that's a little beside the point in a way that like, like I'm playing a lot of Valorant right now, which is an online first person shooter game. Yeah. And there's, I don't think there's any actual reason why a woman would be better or worse at this game than anybody else. And in fact, a lot of the most popular Twitch streamers are women. Uh, and they're very good. Like they're very good at the game. When I play, I, I play at a much lower level. When I play, the, you have to have a mic to play this game. Like it, you have to communicate with each other. Um, it's not good when it's a woman on the mic. Like, like the conversations are not productive towards the game. They are not friendly. I mean, they're friendly, but they're like they are sexual all of a sudden. You know, you know it's like it's gross. Like. So if you were a young woman that wanted to play Valorant and you were great at it, well, you're saying you, the men playing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't mean that the women are like <laughs> being like, "Hey, what's up?" No. As soon as a man hears that it's a woman's voice, we're not talking about the game anymore, right? For the rest of the the ten minutes, and that like, why would you want to keep playing that? Right. Right. <laughs> I stopped I stopped wanting to go to magic conventions for the same reason. Yeah. So I mean now yeah. the thing is everyone on Valorant asks me how old I am and oh. I'm debating debating whether or not to tell them the real and then so last night a kid was like, Is your wife mad that you're not playing? I was like, you know what, actually I'm gay. And he was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> but, it, but there was a th thought in my head. I was like, am I going to, should I tell them? But it's like, am I going to lie about having a wife and kids <laughs> just so I win this fucking video game? <laughs> <laughs> I committed, are you, Chris? Yeah, uh, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. Um, uh, can, so can, I, you don't go yeah. to conventions anymore? Um, not really for like a multitude of reasons. But one of them was I just decided I didn't want to put up with the 
crap that I was putting up with specifically because I was a woman woman yeah. and then not plural I'm a single I'm a singular woman um, <laughs> and then <laughs> I should have had coffee before recording I would be more eloquent uh, and uh, I also kind of stopped going to the castle for the same reason is that if I, I just didn't want to be around that community um, I also realized that I didn't want to because I used to just make humor and respond sarcastically to things because I like wanted to be one of the guys and yeah. um, that wasn't getting me anywhere. Uh, and so instead, I I just like, what? Do, how do I respond? Do I go, actually, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Please stop say, calling me that, saying that thing, right. touching me, whatever. And so I just kind of stopped going unless I'm working or to see someone specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely, I don't go to the castle by myself because of stuff that's happened. Um, and I just don't, I didn't see value in paying a lot of money to go to a magic convention to, in, a, in different ways, not just sexually, but in different ways getting harassed. And the harassment changed when I started getting the tiny name I have in magic after I won this contest that Copperfield judged. And after that, people started asking me for his number for free tickets. Oh, so it, it went from you're the like, you're the only girl here and you're not ugly. So room key, which is an actual uh, I've been handed a couple of room keys by people. I don't know their names. Um, and so I just stopped. Like I was like, oh, this is stupid. And then that, it changed to the Copperfield thing. And then it shifted to, can you get me on the tour you're on? And I was like, I think I'm out. Oh, so. which, which reminds me. Um, when's Champions coming back? And can you get me on the tour you're on? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have answers to either of those yeah. questions. I did actually want to ask you about that because that is a, such a cool experience you got yeah. to. Um, um, which uh, Champion- one? I, yeah. Oh, just this show in general. Uh, yeah. Uh, not, I know you wanted a couple of legs of that, of, legs of that tour. Um, uh, cause you did, you were like the, the, the clo- everyone kind of did a different sort of thing, right? It was, uh, uh, you had an illusionist, uh, Fernando Velasco and I were in the junior program together. Um, both equally successful now. Um, <laughs> uh, well, right now, the, right now you, right are. now, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> yeah, even that, that guy right. works so hard and like does so much stuff. Probably yeah, not he true. Does. He's great. Um, uh, and so, uh, yes, you, but you're like the close up magician, right? That was your. Yeah, so the what's really cool about Champions is um the so the difference between the Champions of Magic and the Illusionists is that the cast for Champions of Magic doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with the Illusionists is they they kind of have roles and you can morph in and out of shows depending yes. on what your expertise is. So if you know they they've got a roster of 10 mentalists and they've got 12 legs of a tour, well everybody gets one and two of them get two, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, with us, it's the, it's the five of us. So we have an illusion team, Young and Strange from the UK. We have a mentalist, Alex McAleer. Fernando is actually our escape artist, uh, oh. which is really fun. And then I do the close-up, uh, which is really just close-up projected on a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little parlor, but because we're in such large theaters, um, you it's guys just like arenas up. and stuff. Like, you, you know, you did like the, uh, yeah, uh, so- the, the, the Nokia theater when you were in L.A.? Um, we did the Microsoft close Microsoft. enough. It's, it's it's a tech. Uh, it's a phone. <laughs> it's a it's, it's <laughs> whatever it's one of the phone theaters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we did we did the Microsoft. Uh, it was probably the hardest venue we played because it's a seven thousand seat theater. We only opened four thousand seats and we got out twenty five hundred people per show, which mm-hmm. just it then it sounds empty because yeah. 
It's literally our producer said after the first show we did, he goes, this theater is where comedy goes to die. Because even if someone's laughing in the back, it doesn't reach you on stage. It's just not possible. So I like to think I'm kind of funny when a microphone's in my hand and I'm doing magic. And I thought I died. Luckily, friends who were, I think Robert Ramirez was actually at the show and Ben Schrader and Mm -hmm. his wife Gwen, they were in the back and came and like, don't worry, no, no, everyone was laughing. <laughs> you just right. couldn't hear it. So it's really, it was tough. But yeah, we've played arenas. We played um, a lot of the Fox theaters, Fox in Detroit, Fox Atlanta. So those are all four or 5,000 theaters. I've played the Fox Detroit. Have you? It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful theater. Uh, my voice was uh, going out. We did not have an understudy. Oh, I had no. to do the show, and then the Ticketmaster customer reviews of that show were not kind. Oh, no. <laughs> what, was this uh, Fifty Shades? This is Fifty Shades, the musical. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, you're, you're also put in that situation where when you get – the idea of you doing a show for 2,500 people and being like, ugh. It, it, but it, that is what happens when the space isn't – like, right. doesn't match the people. But, like, the idea of, like, you know – when you were young, I mean, like, one day you're going to do a magic show for 2,500 people, and you're going to be yeah. disappointed. <laughs> so, obviously, this, these, I, I would assume, as a close-up magician, these are, like, the biggest crowds you've played for. Um, what what was it like transitioning into, like, doing your act? Like, what did what changed about your act? What changed about the way you performed? And really, like, what changed? did anything change about your act when you would come back from those and then you would do, like, the close-up gallery or magic bar or something like I, I have to imagine that doing um, a rubber band magic for 2000 people is different than doing it for 11 people. Yeah. So there are a couple of main differences. So the one, the first one is the comedy aspect. So the, my, my particular style of trying to be funny is uh, I say trying because sometimes who knows <laughs> um, know. is right. Uh, just throw something out. Eventually I'll get a laugh. Um, those, I did the like co- Los Angeles comedian yeah, like, yeah. shoulder up finger point like that's how you know. Um, and she tags so the, all of her jokes with that. I do. Yeah, it's like boom. And, it's like your hamburger. Yeah. I, do you know that comedian hamburger? I don't know what his no, name is. We'll have to send you the link it. afterwards. After hey. every one of his jokes, he says hamburger. Ham. Yes. <laughs> have you ever played that the improv game Bad Stand Up? I have. No. Yeah. I've not. Oh, it's great. The, just a quick version, then I'll go back to your. your and um, basically, you get a topic, so you'll get like gardener, and then you have to tell mediocre to bad gardener jokes, and then tag it with something really stupid. So my partner Harrison, his go-to is he'll just be like, he'll tell some really bad. Gar- I'm really bad at that game. He'll tell a bad garden pun, and then go kahwanga, and then escape. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good uh, catchphrase. Yeah, and it gets it gets more and more painful as it goes on. So all of a sudden he's like, Kah! and he's just screaming <laughs> Kawanga, which is awesome. Um, to answer your question, uh, so in when I'm performing for fifty people or less, I can see everyone's face, right. so I can see reactions. Um, you know, the close-up gallery, the parlor, the parlor, the Chicago land, whatever it is, is like doing a, a small event like that. I can see everyone's face, but then I can make 
really easy callbacks to something somebody did because the audience is just handing me gifts every 30 seconds to five minutes. So I'm just getting all of this material and then like putting it in a little bowl and slowly sorting it as the show goes on. And when you're in a a theater of 4,000 people, that's not an option because you can't see anybody (laughs) and you can barely see where you're walking. Uh, And then you might have an audience member who's awesome and you could make a call back to them but even sometimes because there's so much that's happened since that that callbacks become kind of a hard thing unless they're very simple would you do all of your set at once or would you come back a couple of times so that's the thing. So I'm right. coming back. It's a two and a half hour show with intermission. So I'm I'm once in the first half, a couple times in the first half, and then a couple times in the second half. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say something that gets a good laugh, but then 45 minutes goes by of other acts also being funny. And then I have to go, right. could you please also remember that one funny thing that happened before? So it's kind of hard. So unless I make a specific callback to the act right before me, callback are really hard to make unless it's a a trick itself. So I can't be as sarcastic and as um, good at responding to the audience as I can when the the audience is small um, and when it's just me. So that's part of it. Or if I do, if I'm in a variety show and I'm, I have one 20 minute spot, I can do the same thing. But Mm -hmm. in the big theater show, that doesn't happen. So comedy is harder for me at least, just because of how I'm funny. Um, And then the other main difference is uh, everyone can see what I'm doing in a a theater of 30 seats. And on uh, the theater show, uh, I'm using a camera and a projector. So I had to learn on the job how to relate to everyone Look, you know, look at watching what I was doing, and then ha- making right. eye contact with them, which is literally just making eye contact with the lens. I was going to ask if you play to the camera or sort of play to the audience. Yeah, yeah, um, both. So if if magic is going on, then I look at the lens, and if there's a if there's applause, I turn my shoulder to the lens and look at the audience, and then if magic is going on, I look at the lens and turn my shoulder to the audience. Right. So this is actually a tactic I learned from comedian Victor Borga, who is. My favorite comedian, my dad and I used to watch him all the time, is Victor Borga. I was a piano player and a comedian. And when it was time to listen to music, he would sit down at the piano with his shoulder to the audience. And when it was time to be funny, he would turn both shoulders to the audience. Mm -hmm. So it was this tactic of like, I block you now, listen, and now I unblock you. So even if he was doing something funny while playing at the piano, he'd still physically turn his shoulder towards the audience to know to let them know here's a point where you you'll be laughing right so it's really it's really smart and so i kind of use that that is something interesting that i think i've seen a couple of different people this being one of the examples i think anytime people have to project something during a magic show project themselves in a big theater uh that is a very interesting challenge i've seen a couple different ways of handling it yeah it's interesting to see different people come up with graceful ways like darren brown and one of his netflix specials the projection was on the back wall so you kind of had to look yeah. through him and what was happening so you were still right. sort of engaged with him and what was happening uh juan tomarez did one whereas it was just his hands so it was kind of like you had anytime he was talking he broke it up pretty well but when he was talking you would have to look at him versus when the mat then you could look very interesting the way people are deciding to handle that was that something that sort of the directors of the show kind of picked out is that something you kind of worked on collaboratively with them yeah so there's um there hadn't been at least to my knowledge 
at this scale that the show was running, there hadn't been a true close-up magician because Faye Presto was in the show before me and she did a lot of parlor stuff and then did some restaurant stuff, but there was no camera for a lot of it. So she wasn't focusing on the camera and the projector. It was the first time that had ever scaled uh, toured at such a scale and I replaced Faye and when uh, the first show I did we were like let's just wing it here's kind of a general gist of what's going to happen um it was a casino casino show so it was really low stakes uh and (laughs) so we we winged it and then we the our the cameraman is also the show producer and owner so what's awesome about that is he knows my material inside and out he usually helps me choose my material. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we're really too, like just totally honed in at all times. So um, there's one effect I do that's a card effect that has some rough and smooth in it. And every once in a while, like 30 shows into the deck, it, it will slip a bit and it will flash. And he knows immediately, he's just, as he's panning the camera, he'll see it and just move right, right. along. Mm. And just make sure that nobody can see that. So he's really, really smart, and I trust him. Uh, I mean, I I've, I trust him with my life, and then I also trust him with my material. And right. my material is a more valuable thing to me. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's a precious commodity. That should be a new T-shirt. <laughs> oh, make it! That's a great idea! Yay! Uh, have you? Because John, you've toured and stuff. Have you had to do magic for a camera? Um, not really. I I have before, um, but I have not. Uh, it's it's not a thing I'm I'm like versed in, um, or anything like that. I've only had to do it like once or twice in my life. Yeah. So I've not had to do a, a big big um, amount of that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I wish I had a more interesting answer. No, this is my answer. No, it's great. <laughs> Next and he, topic, and he never will. Right, well, own. I mean, now it's all. I mean, now it's all magic on camera. Yeah. Look at That's that segue. So true, yeah. Zoom yeah. Zoom magic shows. Uh, are we? Talk- do you want to talk about that? I also, I think I told you, John, but I don't know if I got to tell you, Chris. I do have a fun game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's play, play the game. Let's play, let's play the game. You want to play? Let's okay, play cool. Yeah. So this is a little bit Shazammy, um, but okay. because we're a crossover episode, um, I had an odd feeling that I was going to talk a lot about me, and I don't like doing that on my own podcast. Oh. Um, and so I was like, well, we can oh, do is we can break this podcast up into chunks and then you can have chunks on yours and we can have chunks on ours. And so oh, it's like for the next half of this and then we, you have to go to our podcast to listen to this. Now. Right, but we break uh, it up by our audio tracks. So <laughs> you have to play the podcast at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that'd be... Do we have a third podcast we could ask <laughs> Ta- someone Ta- to... We can ask Taylor. To, uh, we can ask Taylor Hughes. Get Taylor Hughes <gasps> in on this. Perfect. <laughs> Done. Good luck, everyone. Um, so this is a little bit of a Shazammy game. Um, this is something I've been wanting to do for a while. And about a half an hour before we started recording, see that procrastination <laughs> on my game. Um, I went, oh, this would be good. And so I posted this on Facebook as well as I texted some people. And I think it's gonna be really oh, fun. Was this live on so, Facebook? What I what I've been able to see? I'm so I don't know why I'm very don't nervous right look. now. No, 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 don't be nervous. Um, this is 100% fun. Uh, as you know, magic uh, and magic products are riddled in its history with um, maybe insensitive tricks or insensitive naming of tricks. Mm. So I thought it'd be fun right now if we played uh, a game where we could both rename the insensitively named trick oh, great. or uh, give a little update, just like a one or two sentence update to an insensitive trick that is still performed today. You up for okay. it? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm going to start 
with just the one that most people said, which is Chinka Chink. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, mine too. I, I get mad. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know what that was until I saw some. It, this is the one where like objects are kind of like exchanging places and stuff. On yeah, the so table. It's, it's like a matrix. Uh, yeah, um, is the closest. I, I think it was. Uh, um, yeah, my, my my. I think people will defend it, saying like, no, no, no. It's the sound that the things make when they like right. the coins or whatever or bottle caps. But my understanding of it is that one of the earliest productions of it was by Max Molini with sugar cubes. And the thing about sugar cubes is they do not make that noise. <laughs> right, I'm no right, right. expert in sugar cubes. Right. But yes. that's... Uh, so do you want a different name for this? Act, uh, yeah, this? let's just rename it because the trick is actually pretty cool, but we could just rename it. Okay, my proposed new name is Chinaman Switchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, okay, so my goal was to make it less insensitive. Oh. <laughs> but if that's what you want to, if that's a, good for you, it's a step down as opposed to like a total revamp, yeah, which yeah. is still on its way to being better. So Chris, I'm you happy should do to that, take that with tricks that we don't like so that people never perform them again. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that it's interesting that um, uh, I actually think that in the ma- magic community, there's probably more acceptance of Asian magicians than I think black magicians. But there's a there's a way more like just blatant uncoded racism in magic towards Asians in general. Yes. Just it's just like, oh, that's fine. We just call that chinka chink. I was gonna say that there's such an acceptance of Asian and magicians in magic that white magicians be Asian. So mm. that's how much magic loves an Asian themed <laughs> act, is that yeah. Doing that as their well, whole you know what? That's the thing is like magic loves the Asian themes, maybe more than the people. <laughs> um, there was yeah. a trick I wanted to do for a long time, which is that the box with another box inside of it, and they like switch places. You know, uh, where you open a box and there's one inside of it, and you open that, and then put the first box back inside of it. Yeah. And that trick, like typically, I think a lot of the ones you can get typically end with like the box that one of the boxes changes color, and it's always to like some mysterious dra- oriental dragon yeah, you know, yeah, shit yeah. like that i'm like like what is it? what what, is, what was yeah. that that box i will that trick i will rename oh no the box make no sense <laughs> <laughs> um, i have to there, say that uh, as an asian person it is occasion it, it, it's it's a, like a secret but it's actually enjoyable to do the asian accent sometimes <laughs> like i actually have a lot of fun doing it um uh, i i would say that uh oh on the subject of asian based names and magic things ed kwan has been pretty vocal about this on facebook where he talks about um i mean generally issues of, of racism towards asians and magic but specifically he makes a good point he goes these are not asian coins why do we accept that these are not chinese coins why do we yes. Um, no, they're they're often like, not even a character that means anything. Exactly, he's like these are not. This is just gobbledygook to made to look mysterious in Chinese. Yeah. He's like, so, and you're basically saying like we should stop um, calling them Chinese coins. And so I've, I've not, I, I, I never perform with them. I, I'll practice with them sometimes, and I'll have tricks that use them, but I've never just performed. Um, gonna do a whole lot of coin magic, but I would definitely try to like refer to it specifically as like a coin with a hole in it. If I were to every well, what I don't you know understand I mean? is that there actually are Chinese coins that have those holes. So, holes like, right. why not just either get one of those or a company like whatever Tango right. or whatever makes like a real one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they Japanese make, yen. They make yeah. real quarters that are gimmicked, and people are like, "Oh, that looks like a real quarter." So they could make a real Chinese 
piece mm-hmm. of currency as well. Uh, uh, by the way, right. side proposal is that they replace all the Chung Ling Su posters with Ching Ling Fu posters. They should. Oh, or, yeah, yeah, they should. That's uh, a great idea. Yeah, I don't know who doesn't know. Ching Ling Fu is the, if you couldn't tell by the sounds of it, is the, the actual Chinese magician the name was stolen from. William Robinson um, would go on to say that Ching Ling, uh, Chung Ling Su was suggested to him and meant like some something about like luck and mystery, uh, but it was just gobbledygook nonsense. It's actually not uh, yeah. something from um, uh, Voice <laughs> Deception. Equivalent of the frat boy tattoo. <laughs> I cited that on a fa- on a Facebook argument on the Magic Castle, fa- the AMA <laughs> members' Facebook page. Uh, they were talking That's about fantastic. like Chung Ling Su and like whether there should be a plaque even that just says like, by the way, fuck this guy. Um, and then I, I cited the thing on the book that says like this name means nothing. Here's who it came from, and it's all in one very compact paragraph. Um, I mean, anyway. honestly, if there was a plaque underneath that said, "By the way, fuck this guy," that'd be pretty incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and just a fun reminder: while we're always talking about this, don't forget that in the early days of his career, Die Vernon did Asian face that was said to be so convincing, and his name was Die Yon. Let's just not forget that that thing <laughs> that exists. Uh, yeah, well, it's I'm sure he right. bought food from Trader Ming's as well. <laughs> Stir fry from <laughs> so you got his tacos from yes. Trader Jose. <laughs> um, to answer your question, nothing I came up with is as good as Chris. I would just call it that trick is is to, to my understanding effectively identical to a matrix. So I don't know why that can't just be folded into a matrix. You know, sugar cube matrix, bottle cap matrix, coin matrix. Like I, I don't know what why that can't happen. I, um, I I agree with you. So usually when I so this is taught at the Magic University program, still under. Chink-a-chink, so I changed it uh, just for myself and my students to barehanded matrix. Yeah. So a matrix would be with cards. So I just say barehanded matrix. That's like my serious answer. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, here, okay, you ready? Some others. Um, the Hindu force or the Hindu shuffle. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm going to call it uh, um, magic's worst force. Next. <laughs> I accept no other answer. I, so I just like, like I, you know, I know a lot of people use it. I just like, who, who is that fooling? I just don't think it's. I just don't think it's a very good force, and I'm sorry. I just, I think well, people can kind of see. I think uh, I just don't think that one is as good as as we pretend it to be. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I know it's very popular. I know a lot of people can disagree with me on this. I just like. That one's interesting Chris because I, I oh do crisscross force. Crisscross force is great. We know that like there's like didn't yeah. the jurors do a study that crisscross force is like yes. absurdly good and fooling for how simple and like uh, a beginner it is it is taught as. It's funny because in my castle audition, which uh, I think I'll be doing again in 2028, um, the it's adorable. You think there's going to be a castle after this? <laughs> Keep going. Uh, the there are times where I'm like, well, here I could just do Hindu force. And I, I can hear people like you and Robert or whatever in my mind being like, that fucking sucks. But then I also, I would go to the castle and like see three people do it in a night. I know. And I'm like, well, <laughs> like it uh, must yeah. be okay. <laughs> um, to be honest, I still use it. Uh, but there's two reasons. One, I'm lazy. Two, uh, Honest. I, thank you. Um, I, I came up with a weird subtlety for it that I'll have to show you that mm. I think makes it work but i with you it does it still doesn't make it better than any other force Mm -hmm. it just gets rid of the stupid it bottom card um but yeah i agree with you so uh Uh, we'll just call it we'll just call it it should be eliminated (laughs) 
Sorry to all the people I just upset. Go on using your Hindu forces. Oh, or your bad forces. I just, see. Look how ingrained that. That look how natural that came out. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. Uh, go on using it on your Zoom shows to force the four. <laughs> it's, it's a Zoom show. You could totally classic. Say stop um, whatever you want on this thing that all of, you know how you know how cards are held like this. Well, <laughs> no sense. Sorry. Oh, I know. I love it. Um, the zigzag girl. Ooh, I don't know what this is. Oh, Zigzag Girl is the, the pieces going. Kayla uh, and Chris, both of you, and I've I talked about it on the podcast. I don't think I've ever like published. Oh, it's it's on our YouTube show. But um, um, you know, I have a routine ranking on cutting people, sawing women in half specifically. Yes, yeah. Um, I remember watching that, and I remember you asking me about it before you did it. Yeah, we talked about. At the time, I was afraid to piss people off, and then I was like, "What? Like, I th- if this piss people, these are like this is gonna piss off the people I want to be pissing off." But there yes. was a joke I wrote for it. I don't have the joke perfectly that I during the quarantine. And the joke is that um, off, talking about the idea that it's always referred to as sawing a woman in half, even though nothing about that trick requires a uterus, which is a, tr- which is a quote I heard maybe a decade ago from Simon Coronel, which is, that's always been stewing in the back of my head. I think it's funny. And that's where that came from. Um, also, there's a reference from your podcast about asking someone to touch the woman, make sure that she's still there, which I've actually never seen someone do. I've heard it from your podcast. You tell a very, very good story about that. Um, uh, which um, you should all go listen to. Fun, you know, I should mention, Kayla, also, if you didn't know this, we have a long-running, not-at-all joke, very, very serious element of our podcast where we won't let any, we won't mention any other podcast. We won't recommend listening to any other podcast. <laughs> Yours is the only one that's transcended that. Yours is like, yeah. no, actually, you should go listen to Shazam. But no other podcasts. Um, I will say, that's, that's more of a John thing. <laughs> no, it's Chris and I both. Uh, uh, the, the, anyway, the joke I wrote in quarantine was... Um, uh, something about like how uncomfortable these boxes are to be in, and and this isn't the, the, isn't a, this isn't a, a total a perfect joke yet, but the idea is something along the lines of like now to be fair, I don't exactly know what it's like to be inside one of these boxes. I've never been inside one. No one's ever asked me to get inside one. Uh, my theory is is because I'm only an A cup, and that's my that's that's I, I it's not done yet. It's not but that like that's. Workshop it. We'll workshop it. Workshop in front of some live audiences. Right. Uh, 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 so the zigzag girl, zigzag girl is the uh, is the problematic thing that it's a girl or and or that why do we keep having to like do this to women kind of thing? I think the fact that it's uh, kind of going off of that the what is the uterus doesn't play a part. It's like right. why does it have to be a girl? Because right. they're I get that it needs the, to be a smaller human, and, but and the box is always adorned with like. A painted yes. silhouette of a '50s housewife. Oh, yes. Okay. You know, I feel like I've seen a lot of them with this weird, like, uh, geometric shapes of silhouettes of ladies. Sometimes, it's yeah. Like a jet, it's like a um, the wife in the Jetsons. Jetsons it feels yeah. like her cartoon yeah. silhouette. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, got it. Got it. Um, I feel like people should just not do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, we're just going to put that in the Hindu force category. I mean, d- is that one, do you think that fools people in this day and age? The thing, the thing about yeah. it is that like, I just, man, there's just, there's like, there's just like four inches of that box, like not, not lining up with the edge. Uh, yeah, it, I'm just, I'm just going to say no. Like it just doesn't. It's pretty bulky. Like a good, yeah. that's the thing. A good sawing illusion can look good. They're still eight minutes too long, but like Kaylin and Ginger have an amazing one. Um, mm-hmm. They do it great. They have an amazing yep. everything. And also Ginger is a hundred percent in control of now, 
her part of it. Exactly. That was my, I had said something, someone on a Facebook group basically asked about them and like just trying to honestly learn here, like why is that less like sexist? Why are, as a real illusion team, do they not just come off as, as, as illusion and assistant? And I said, my take on it was that it is very clear through their entire show that they are partners and she has so much agency over their act. You know what I mean? During that illusion, she's talking as much as he is. She's mic'd. She, you know, she's like, mm-hmm. it, 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 <laughs> it's like, so sad that like just, a woman having a mic is like, look, look how progressive this is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah. And that gives her power over the situation. Yeah. It's not, she's not being told to do this, which was the issue that I saw with the other version of the Wakeling song where they opened up the front boxes and the magician says, go ahead, touch her. And you could tell she not happy about it that might have not been planned because she looked shocked oh, and wow. these guys definitely were not, they were like, Ooh, okay, this is weird. Uh, but if they were, you know, after a couple drinks, who knows if they would have done something inappropriate. She's just a prop. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I think I think this would get too close to exposure for public audiences, but it would be cool to have like a zigzag box built for like my dimensions. Yeah. Like, with, where it, it had would have to have the tolerances so that I could do it, and then it would very clearly expose what the trick was. But I think it'd actually be funny to like do that trick and be like, look at me. Like, uh, does this fool you? And there's, there's like a... 12 inch like overlap (laughs) (laughs) yep i love it um we kind of you mentioned this earlier uh the uh akito coin box i'm gonna propose we call it the bamberg coin box because his actual name is tobias bamberg it doesn't sound as pretty right i don't know shit about him um so i didn't know what his name was i didn't even know he was a white person until you go to the magic castle and above there's an eight foot mural of him above the main fireplace of an old white man (laughs) in a chinese robe you're like like, i'm like what the fuck is this shit yeah he was from the netherlands wow uh and white so just to make that clear bamberg box is great bamberg box it's alliteration i like it it's fun Yep. The goal is that we start using this vernacular coming up. It's like, yeah. you you know, well, you, there's our brick box and uh, our barehanded matrix and whatever you called it, Chris, but I'm not going to pretend Chinaman switchy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll use it that way. Uh, you should tell Kayla about your character, your your Chung Ling Su character. Oh, I mean, I do want to do. Th- I want to do a one person show uh, where the magician is named Ching Chong Poo. <laughs> And the light, but is he white? No, he's me. But it, like the lights come up, and I'm just smoking. And I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta do that show. All right, and then like I just do like Chung Ling Su acts and stuff. And I, I guess at Great. the end, I I do a bullet catch and die or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, I really support that. Um, <laughs> we have. Oh, at the very end, I do a bullet catch and die, and then I go. This wasn't how it's supposed to go. <laughs> like I think that's what happened to William Robinson. Yeah. That was good. Uh, Susan Fessler, who is uh, someone who follows us on Facebook, uh, suggested the Indian rope trick. Oh. Was that the one where you, um, was that the one where like somebody climbs up a rope? Yes. Like the rope becomes stiff out of a basket? Yeah. Um, this is not a real trick, right? I believe it actually is. It's just incredibly rare. Okay. I think Penn and Teller on one of their like travel specials talk about seeing it. Um, and actually, the tr- the video you can find like the trick doesn't work, and like uh, you can see like eight people like huddled around this basket, like shrouding it from view to try to fix whatever happened. Um, I believe it is a real thing. Um, okay. I think it's written about in fantastical ways that make it sound not real. Um, yeah. Hmm. 
I don't have a strong feeling about that because I feel like it's not common enough to the, the, just be the part thing of the vert. Is, so but, many of. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say like I almost feel like you should find, like we should research the region of India where that like the myth first was built, and just call it like the Kerala Indian the uh, Kerala rope trick or something. You know. I, ha mm. I have a half baked thought here. I don't know if this is a hundred percent true, but I'm realizing like the. You know, the top 10 like magic tricks that exist are just called what they are cups and balls, linking rings, yeah. all, all of this shit. And like, it seems like these names are only introduced to like weirdly like fetishize like, like the Orient, Okito box, Hindu, yeah. Mr. You know, you know, it's like, it seems like you're only adding in words to label them in ways that make this thing mysterious or tantalizing yeah. in a way at, 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 at the expense. Back. Yeah, at the expense yeah. of other people's. The, the image of other people's and the portrayal of other people's lives and cultures. You know, that actually reminds me that, like, the... the I think the solution to a lot of these kind of... Uh, not I mean, stereotypes, but, like, generalizations is just to be more specific. You know, like, a lot of things... People that are in underrepresented groups, a lot of times we want to be part of the group. Like, we want to we have our balls busted about being gay or being Asian or whatever. Like we want to feel like we're in the club, but we just, but like, I don't want you to say the same bullshit, like Chinese people eat dogs joke. That's been said for 30 years. I want you right. to say a joke that, you know, cause you know me, like it's, it's that feeling of like, I don't think we're saying that we want to exist in these circles and not have our balls busted. Right. You yeah. know, I think it's like, but it feels lazy sometimes when all you know about a group is like the thing you heard, you know, you, since you were a kid. Like the fact yeah. that people still, as adults, still make jokes with, about Asians substituting L's and R's in their speech is like, that's literally from like the 40s. Like, right. Yep. Um, Malcolm Gladwell had a really good episode of his Revisionist History podcast about Sammy Davis Jr. Um, and the and essentially it was it was kind of chronicling like the incredible life of Sam Davis Jr. All these amazing incredible things he did as a performer in the military, you know, uh, as like in civil rights. And then like after all of this, all of his best friends did one of those Dean Martin roasts for him, and it was all just racist, like horrendously racist stuff. And it was like at this time, you know, basically the idea was like even in the seventies, even after all this, even though he was, you know, it, it, I think the idea was like when people were. Um, it, it was kind of defending the fact, like when when critics of his from the black community said that like he was too white, uh, that like he was like the idea was that the only way to kind of break into these cultures was to kind of like be okay with with race. It, it, it was a really interesting sort of discussion about like race and entertainment. And well, in the I I think within us any given social circle, um, uh, that your ability to say those things is is actually like an expression of safety. Because you feel so comfortable with those people that that you don't feel threatened, right? And I actually have thought about this. There's not something I said in public. Is probably it's is it's a not the great. I don't know. I, people might get mad at this, but comedians who like ten years ago, comedians would still make jokes about rape. Um, I, I had a joke about rape in my stand-up set back in the day, um, in ni late '90s, 2000. Um, and I mean, I would still stand by it. Like the way I wrote it was when made sense and all that. Right. But like, I wouldn't say that joke now. And I think if you're somebody who really wants to be able to write jokes about rape in your standup set, let's say, I think a very easy way for that to happen would be if there were no more rapes, like, and there was no more rape culture. So, so like you can make jokes about 
you can kind of make jokes about polio these days and most people don't get super there's there's still polio but like you like you know what i mean like um so the people don't want to hear that joke because it's not safe to hear that joke right now like it, it's we've we've uh been very aware that like misogyny and rape culture is like very baked into every the, the air that we breathe so it's like just i don't want to hear that kind of joke right now mm-hmm. if we get to a point where over let's say a 10-year period there are zero rapes then it'd be like okay maybe this will be back on the table for like something we can joke about (laughs) you know like and i think you know that's a worthy goal a societal goal to keep that from happening anymore um but i think like a lot of this uh, where we live in terms of entertainment is we're essentially i think even simon may have talked about when he was on our podcast about like magic specifically in a way is like a roller coaster in that it's experiencing i've experienced this feeling when i watch like steve valentine or whoever where it's like oh i feel like i'm being hustled like but i'm not i'm safe in this room he's not actually stealing from me he's not pulling a card and i don't know where it is but i get to experience the feeling of being deceived and then leave the theater and be like ooh. but like these things of like i don't want to be sitting in a theater and as john and i experienced the magician asks somebody like, "Where are you from?" Oh God! And then he's got like ten jokes about how math was invented in Egypt. And I, in my head, I'm just going like, "Oh, so like it's not okay to be not white in this room?" Mm. And then it just takes me out of the show. So you know, yeah. but a similar theory: if we can go ten years without any racism in the real world, then say all the jokes you want. <laughs> I, I'll put. I'll I'll commit to that right now. <laughs> I said I'll commit with you. I think that's that's like right is that you know we the joke of too soon i think proves that is like yeah we could we could joke we could make jokes a lot of people do material about civil war or yeah. whatever you know you could still make a lot of jokes just about you know history and things but you can't joke about something that people in your audience have experienced and are still dealing with and so i think in ten, like in you know, in 10, 20 years, if there are no more race, no more racism and people don't have to deal with it anymore, they've like emotionally recovered, then it's okay to laugh about it. But yeah. I agree is that we can't, we can't talk about something that is going to make half of your audience be upset because that's not what they're here to do. And and I would even say to an, to an artist that you can engage with that material if you were aware of the fact that half your audience may be alienated and then you yes. can't complain about it. <laughs> like, yep. You, but you can do it if you want to be like I'm making a joke for one person. I mean, I wouldn't stop somebody from doing that, but just don't complain about it. Right? Yeah, I watched, um, and I I think this is required viewing for all people to live, which is Monica Lewinsky's TED Talk. Mm. Uh, everyone should watch it because I watched her give many interviews. I love her. I have not watched that particular amazing. TED Talk. Yeah, the TED Talk is a, summa- a summation of most of her interviews, um, and she just really eloquently explains everything that happened to her, but also how, what that taught her. Which is, and I say often, everyone has freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want, but you also have consequence of speech. So as long as you know that whatever you say has a consequence and are you willing to accept that consequence then you can say whatever you want but you have to be willing to accept the consequence so if you say a joke about rape and then you don't work for two years that's your consequence was it worth it Mm -hmm. so that's the question so of course you can say whatever you want there nobody's telling you you can't say what's on your mind but you have to respect that 
there will be a consequence if something comes out of your mouth Mm -hmm. that people are upset by. And I think also like right now, especially, I mean, in comedy, at least, I feel as though the people yelling the most about like PC culture and what you can't say are all saying it from their fucking Netflix specials. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, like you can't say shit anymore. I'm like, nothing's happened to you. You know, like yep. what are you, people are just saying that they get upset with you. Like, well, I know a guy who, you know, talked about rape and then they, they emailed, you know, the booker and said, please don't have this guy anymore. It's like, okay, well, like Jim Jeffries just put out a special and he was like, you can't say anything anymore. You all need to relax. It's like, stop <laughs> yeah, preaching like, about this from like the, the highest pinnacle of a career in comedy. A guy who has yeah. his, had his own TV show. Right. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, so I have so a, a Hindu rope. I would say I would oh. change to just like the magic rope climbing trick. Yeah. I think that's like the, the magic rope climbing trick I think is perfect. Done. All, yeah, all that's um, say, we have no problem calling tricks by what they are 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, that right. makes sense. Um, like the Bamberg coin box. And, and by the uh, way, these are all mostly like in-community marketing things, right? It's like right. you very yes. rarely is the public ever hearing any of these names anyway. Correct. I don't think most yeah. public people would know what a matrix is. <laughs> Yeah, this is more in the community because language is obviously so valuable. So if in the community we're saying that it's okay to appropriate culture, it's okay to use a racial slur, it's okay to say a woman belongs in the box, then that's what you, that reinforces the thinking. So it's the idea that maybe we should look at some of these tricks and go, let's just rename them a bit. And Um, it's similar to what you were saying before, like what does it cost you? Yes. What are you losing? Like nothing. I mean, no. you just have to change your vernacular for a hot second. It'll the be fine. Spirit you'll, you'll of get magic, better. Chris. The spirit <laughs> of magic is, I mean, is dying. <laughs> Political activists. <laughs> horrible. Just oh, horrible. God. John is the one who um, sent that email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know? Uh, well, you know, I got a lot of free great. time and a lot to say. This is good. Um, lots of petitions. Um, so then, just to change the a little bit, um, the fast like say like one sentence how do we change this trick to make it okay to perform in 2020 mm. so not the name the name is fine okay. Okay. the actual trick ready yep. one 20th century bra oh i don't know this one oh it's uh, really it's really really great chris is this where you find um, a bra and you pull out a bra from yeah uh, yeah, in between two silks that you um, that someone puts down their shirt. Yeah, it's usually a woman who puts it down their shirt. Uh, it. Uh, okay, how would I change that trick to make it better? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I've, I've seen there um, there are versions where it's just another silk, like a silk disappears, like you tie two right. red silks together, and then a blue one disappears at the other end of the stage, and is tied between those two. So you would just make it a non um, you would make it a non. Uh, um, you you would make it not a clothing that is only being used in this context to be scandalous and sexual. Um, you know what I mean? Like if it was like a woman's sock, it wouldn't be nearly as. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You would and you would put you would have a woman like hold it in her fist, put it in her pocket, or something like that. Um, if you Ooh. wanted to use a, if you wanted to use a woman on like a like you know you you could oh not not I'm not even talking about clothing I'm just talking about like silks and a third silk you still give it to someone and like here put this in your pocket not make a sex joke out of it and it would be fine. Um, Kayla, where where do you stand on sexualizing men? 
and tricks. Uh, I don't think that should be done either. Hmm. I think if that. you do <laughs> there is there is a version of this where you pull out a and I used to do it as a kid. I would mm. do it to a male adult, and I would do it, and his boxers would appear uh-huh. in in the center. I would do this just as you were talking. I was like, oh, this is a good idea, not for me, but maybe for someone else, is to have an empty laundry hamper and then have two like t-shirts, uh, and then put the t-shirts in the laundry hamper and pull out a bra in between them. So it's like, I'm getting uh, clothes for today. I don't know. That's maybe not the best idea, but it's not for me. But I think that that is the same trick right. uh, just without asking somebody to shove it down their shirt and it being someone else's bra. It right. also didn't come off of a body. And I right. think that's also part of the problem is with this trick in any form, it's clothing that comes off of a body. Yeah. My suggestion would be the magician pulls it out and it's a temporary restraining order. <gasps> I love that. <laughs> Good. You should do that for your audition. And then, and then he has to like step back 10 feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love right. it. Uh, um, uh, trick solved. Trick solved. Uh, so Rob Belchunas. So, oh, uh, he's on the top of Rob Belchunas. Yeah. Um, still have this half empty can of watermelon LaCroix to anybody that can correctly guess Rob Belchunas' age. Nobody has tried. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, that is because I, it's still here. Um, I'll send it to you, uh, and um, I'll probably send you a, no, a new one. I feel no like no one he, tried. No, not a single person tried, which I think is I'll not try. even Rob. Not even Rob Belchunas. Well, my theory is Rob Belchunas is an ageless time lord. Uh, going to be my guests. Oh yeah. Well then, congratulations. I'm pretty sure you just won uh, a watermelon Lacroix. So I hope yes. you enjoy sparkling, sparkling water. Also, Rob Belchunas just mocked up a, like a poster of Magic Camp the movie. He did. Oh, did so? Yeah, did you work on Magic Camp? I did. I, well, I just briefly, I was I um, hand doubled the lead actor, fe- the female actor, Gillian Jacobs. Uh, that's her. Uh, for awesome. a scene, I threw cards at soda cans and knocked them over, quote unquote. Nice. Um, cool. So, in in theory, I might be in the movie. I just did- really want to let everyone know that I am. That was important. <laughs> well, you're on this little fake poster. <laughs> corrected rob which then i went no i shouldn't have done that it's not worth it <laughs> oh, well. um, uh, what's the next ready to solve yeah. yeah uh i have a massive list oh so rob belchunas is um the instant magician so this is one where magician puts a uh, or magician's assistant or whatever it's called where you put um the jacket backwards on the spectator and the magician stands behind the spectator who is usually a woman puts his arms through mm-hmm. the sleeves and i say his because it's usually a guy doing it and right. then performs all the magic while standing up against the uh, a woman's back that one is interesting i think there are instances and contexts where that is not problematic i think by virtue of using the woman whether you want it to or not, you can you can come from a stance of like, oh, I'm just being equal. I'm using women, but like that is going to send a message, even if you're not creepy about it. It's it's going to send. It's 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 everyone. It's like everyone. The idea is there, whether or not you went for it. Um, uh, but like I like I've seen people do it in like kids shows, where a magician like does it for like a little kid or something, um, and stuff like that. I, I think is is generally. Okay, I, I guess I don't have a lot of experience with this trick to like see. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a really problematic version of this. But the, I don't know the that issue is like getting into someone's personal space in a way mm-hmm. that's yeah, yep. right. 
Um, I don't know, because it seems like it's part of the trick, so maybe it just shouldn't be done as much as it is. <laughs> um, ha- you know, I have seen um, one of my... Uh, uh, this was Maybe it was, at a, it was at, a, at a convention, but I have seen... A, I think Yuho Jin did this um, to somebody, and then he was doing like these like world-class car manipulations. It's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I think I think one of the issues with tricks like that, I think the same thing with the um, the marionette, like the mask that you put on somebody and you like do the talking for them. Uh, you ever see uh, where you can like pull a switch and they have this big like plastic jaw that moves up and down and and you know is like tricks that yeah like you bring somebody up on stage and then all of a sudden you're like making fun of them. Um, yes. Or even if you're not making fun of them. Like well, you, you can't you can't dismantle that because then you won't have any effects left. Right, but it's like it's, 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 it's like the idea of no, no. I'm not going to make fun of them. Everybody knows this is fake, and you didn't say these things. But like that person on stage still feel feels that uh, things are being said as like they, they're suddenly roped into being a character, and that character is getting laughs that they did not agree to. I think that right. is sort of my issue with like I do I do love the way Nina Conti does that though. So yeah, she's also a ventriloquist, so it's a bit different. I think no one yeah. goes to the Magic Castle expecting to be Nina Conti, you know. Yeah. Um, also, so- actually, she should be doing. I mean, she they probably can't pay her enough, but she she'd be amazing in the palace. That yeah, she'd be, she'd be great. She'd be great. The problem for me, the problem that I this is that and we talk about this in our sexual assault episode is that the one issue that exists with sexual harassment or sexual assault is you remove someone's exits mm-hmm. and that's how it's much easier like it's not just about inappropriate touching it's a, about removing the ability for them to leave the situation so right. pinning them up against a bar or um trapping them in a room locking the door whatever it is so when you eliminate the exits and with this trick they can't the only way they get out is they have to physically struggle Right. Because they can't go down, they can't go forward, they can't go literally in any direction. Yeah, it's a physical point. struggle to get removed. So in my mind, I think this trick shouldn't be done. I just thought of something. What, yeah. if, the, what if the magician is in front and lower, and his arms are through something, and the spectator is behind them with their head, so the spectator is behind the magician... So they could back up and exit whenever they yeah, wanted to. Yeah, like if the spectator's like sitting at a table, the magician is like high, under the table, and like their arms kind of like come out through sleeves or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean? basically yeah. the ma- magician is in the awkward position. The spectator has no, no barrier between the act and them leaving. Yeah, that's actually yeah, a really good that's, idea. That's that's a that's a great way of uh, of doing it, especially to what you were saying, Kayla. Um, like no, like when's the last time in a show where someone did that trick? Where they're like, all right, I'm going to do this trick now. Here's what's about to happen. I'm going to bring you up on stage. I'm going to put this thing over you. I'm going to put my arms <laughs> right. around you. And this was, no, they just bring her up uh, on stage. Uh, yeah. Like, like, a round of applause. And then all of a sudden they're wearing this fucking, <laughs> you know, fake tuxedo straight jacket with, you know, yeah. and being hugged by. Yeah, maybe know. we shouldn't assume that just like saying, yes, I will come up on stage means you can do right. any, anything you want. <laughs> because because what joke preceded that 95% of the time it's like oh whoever's pointing to someone else that's who I pick you didn't want to do this here you come Um, open open hug by the way I know you did a whole episode on this but is French Kiss on your list it's not because um, we already solved it so uh, go listen to that episode (laughs) and they solved it we talked about solving it i'm not sure if we solved it yeah it is, we, talk, it we is, tried to give you the tools to solve it, it is an effect that i've thought about during the lockdown it's like right. does uh, anyone yeah, yeah. ever want to do that again i did think 
early on when this started, I said to my dad, I went, I don't think I'll ever see Card to Mouth ever again. I hope not. It should have been gone years ago. Uh, I was actually going to wonder if that was on the list or not. Like, how do you... Uh, no. I was wondering if part of the list is, like, how do you do, like, you know, Blockhead yeah. or some shit? Like, all you know. <laughs> right. um, how do you no, do that one just... where you cough the prediction back into their mouth? <laughs> right. Tough. Tough these days. Should I have no. added that? <laughs> Nope. That's never going away. Uh, that's a great. That's a perfect trick. Cough, cough yes. to mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> COVID to mouth. Anyway, yeah. um, V that was on the nose. Oh, we call that the uh, the Wuhan revelation. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh Lord. Um, the the last effect that um just requires maybe a little bit of discussion for change is Paul Harris. Just in general. I'm just kidding. Just everything that Paul Harris does has a weird undertone of misogyny, okay. so I just that, thought I'd that, add that in. I blank as I don't know shit about Paul Harris. I know his name is Paul Harris. I know that his name is on every like a billion books, and I know that apparently he only lives with like a backpack and like has no early yeah. possessions. Other than what oh, the only thing I know about him is so I, like, have a, I have a book of his, and he's not wearing shoes on the cover, and I find that <laughs> disturbing. So like when you set that up, I'm like, oh, I don't. I'm not prepared to talk about Paul Harris. Like I, like, oh, I don't have I a hot take. Does it? Does he? Does, give me the, give me the tea me. on Paul Harris. Oh, oh, the tea is just like if you check out a Paul Harris book or um. Like you could really just throw a dart at a Paul Harris catalog of stuff, and at some point there is some level of misogyny. There's a really weird one about oh, Chris, you remember this because we talked yeah, about it in that the Magic Z- Book Club, right? Right. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. So we did. Oh, I don't remember. It was a very strange trick that involved like stroking a woman's thumb yes. and a lot of other things that, and that was part that was like integral to the trick, uh, and it was very uncomfortable. Uh, and then one of the other magicians tried to do it with his girlfriend, and it did not go well. <laughs> he was very uncomfortable. <laughs> of course. Said, Even though we're dating, n- this this is not a go. Yeah. So if you, that happens with your partner, eh, maybe you shouldn't do it to a stranger. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that's all. I thought that was that was really fun. We should do that again sometime because yeah. there's probably a lot more that I didn't get to. I love uh, it. Who knew Who knew that on a random Friday we'd fix magic? We fixed magic. We fixed yeah. magic. And we fixed yeah. racism and yeah. everything else. Ten, well, I'm excited to be able to make rape and racism jokes in 10 years. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, that we'll have solved it all by then. And Me too. Be yeah. Yes. Brilliant. This has been fun, you guys. This is yeah. awesome. Super fun. Um, and uh, did, did your, does your podcast have, like, what you were saying you were getting suggestions. Was that on your own Facebook or did you have a podcast community going on? Yeah, so we have like a, um, you know, social media for specifically the podcast. And it's a new thing I'm doing because um, this hasn't been announced yet, but fingers crossed I'm going to release a Patreon for our next season. So that'll be in a couple months. And part of the Patreon is um, Patreon subscribers who get to ask questions. And so I'm just trying to generate like, is that an actual thing people want to do? And when I give ample amount of time, like not 30 minutes before recording, uh, we get about 10 questions per episode and they're really great. And uh, how many of these responses came in during our recording of the podcast? And you're like, oh, like God. six. Nice. Uh, well, Rob Belchunas was texting me. Uh, so that was really helpful. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's been really fun to sort of engage on that level with people. And um, there are some really great questions. And I'm going to do them for all the recordings uh, coming coming up to season three. So it's been fun. Uh, yeah. I, I just liked this group. It's the cool. group. Um, and uh, I bet it's a cool group of people to talk to about magic, is my guess. Trying. Yeah. Trying our best. Yay. 
Awesome. Well, Kayla, where can, yeah, it sounds like you kind of got some of that. Uh, where can the people find <laughs> you if they want to follow you, follow uh, Shazam podcast? Well, if you, I guess follow you uh, for, for the purposes of our being, this being on our podcast. Yeah. So uh, I'm at magic in heels, like your shoes. That's straight across the board on the Facebook, Twitter, and the Instagram. Although Twitter is slightly it's magic and heels underscore kd because some 13 year old in nebraska has magic and heels and i can't <laughs> um but uh, you just magic and heels i'm the one that pops up uh it's also the website magic and and then shazam is just uh shazam pod pod that's all the things and where can um listeners of shazam find the setup uh, it, it's notoriously difficult to find. I've had three different people text me be like, so you know, if I put in the setup podcast, it's just results on how to set up a podcast, right? You know that. I'm like, yes, I'm aware. Um, uh, we're the setup colon discussions in magic and comedy. Uh, you need to put in, dis- as soon as you put in discussions, you'll, it'll get you there. Yeah. Uh, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Such. You can follow me at John Cardo Magic uh, yep. for um, for a very rare rare postings. So that's always an exciting time. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter at Chris Grace. Uh, I'm on TikTok at Chris Grace. Follow me there. Uh, for <laughs> I another, have the most for another, more followers on TikTok than anywhere else. Uh, for another sure. 39 days, follow Chris Grace on TikTok. I know. I'll, I'll be in because I'm Chinese. I get to stay on. Got um, it. And then. Good uh, point. I also occasionally put up magic uh, Instagram posts. Um, my main Instagram is Chris Gray, Chris Grace Comedy, but I did occasionally put stuff up at Ambitious Chris because I just I didn't <laughs> my my normal group of friends is not interested in me like practicing a truffle shuffle <laughs> on Instagram, <laughs> and not that anyone else is, but I am. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is so awesome thank you both very much for doing this fun crossover episode thank you thank you right. for it's been uh it's been great uh thanks for being on our podcast we've been delighted to be on your podcast yeah no no you've been on our podcast we've been <laughs> on your podcast no no <laughs> i can't wait to edit a fun photo where like yeah about to like fist fight or some shit on this. Like, oh brother what kind of hijinks is this crossover where they're enemies at the start and then friends at the end to fight such over. friends and Look. that is what we do. That's what podcasts I, do. Bring I, us I, together. It's worth mentioning that we did very readily make a comparison of this crossover to a, a crossover between the Justice League and the Avengers, um, yeah. which I assume goes to what we think the scope of this will be and how I many people we, it'll reach. We really yes. lived up to that bar. I think we did. I think we met that, and I'm pretty satisfied. <laughs> well, the superhero self-crime and yeah. Thanos, and we solved racism and sexism and xenophobia and homophobia. So, And ooh. also Thanos. Uh, we got that one, too. And then uh, Kayla's going to snap a finger and half of the magicians in the world are going to disappear. <laughs> I just did that. I'll do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it's a quarter. Every time you do it, it's half the people. Right, right. you got to stop snapping. Jesus no. Christ, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, should end it. we should end it. We there. should end it. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. bye. <laughs>